You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You are listening to a live broadcast of Hey 19, where we will educate, illuminate, and entertain. You can send your questions to our uh, mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. You know, unfortunately, with the times, um, anti-Semitism is not something new to Jewish people. And even now, with coronavirus going around, different stories popping up, um, we still have to deal with anti-Semitism. Today, my guest, who's getting into his chair, um, has gone through stuff that no one in America should ever have to endure. David Tenenbaum is a friend of mine. Um, I've actually taught many of his children right here in Detroit, Michigan, and has recently authored his book, Accused of Treason. And I'm going to let David tell his story. David, how are you today? Are you there? Can he hear me? David, you have to turn on your mic. I see your picture. Are you there? Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. How are you? A little slow. David, how are you? Uh, David in the back, how come he can't hear me? Yeah, David, are you there? Okay, it looks like we lost him. David is going to call back in, hopefully, as soon as he can. He's back. I don't don't hear a word. Okay, can you hear me now? David, can you hear me now? Okay, Angel, why can't he hear me? David, can you hear me now? This is strange. Uh, David, you don't hear me at all? Do you see me? Why am I not hearing or seeing David? This is interesting. I see him. He does not hear me. This is not helpful right now. David, can you hear me now? David, I see your face. I do not hear you. I do not know why. Because it's pouring rain outside and no one wants me to talk to you. I know it must be the government does not want me to interview our guest today. It must be something top secret. Um, anybody in the back? Should he call back? How do we tell him to call back? Yeah, he took off his earphones. Okay, I don't know how to tell you, though. They're getting, you're getting our, our audio, but we're not hearing you. I don't hear you, but you hear me, right? So now how do we figure out how to get your audio? Do you want to rehook it and send it back, David? What should he do? Right. So what should we do? Should he call us? Hey, David, if you can hear me, take a pen. I'm going to have you call in because for some reason we're not hearing you. 
So if you can hear me, call this number. I got to say it a few times. It's 844 999 9249. Just call that number. They'll pick it up. We'll patch straight through. It's 844 999 9249. And I can keep repeating it. I can even text it to you, I think. Uh, one second. I will text you the number right now because we are very, very. How do I do this? 844 999 9249. Please call. Oh, you got it? Perfect. Oh. Okay, David, can you hear me now? Yeah. Well, David, it's a little echoey. It's a lot echoey. Yeah, is this us or him or the rain? I think, okay, they're working on it. But I'll tell you the truth, David. Uh, this is clearly... The government does not want you to talk to me. I just can't figure out any other possibility. It won't be the first time. It won't be the first time. Okay, so right now I'm hearing you. They're working on the audio. If we have to recall, we'll recall. But let's get rolling into your story. I already told everyone you're the author of Accused of Treason. So I know this is a little fast, but you can take your time. Just give... Oh, it's funny. We can see your video, and I guess your voice will be through the phone. That should be cool. Um, give me a one- or two-minute synopsis just of your story for all those listeners who have no idea who you are. And then we'll take it um, piece by piece. Okay. Um, it's not going to be one minute, but I'll do the best I can. That works. Okay. So I was, um, I've been working for the government, for the U.S. Army, for over 35 years. And uh, I was initially hired. I'm an engineer. I was initially hired because, uh, well, obviously I'm an engineer, but I also speak Hebrew. I've been to Israel. I've learned in Yeshiva in Israel. And they said, hey, you can oh. play for our Israeli program. David, David, could you, yeah. could you take it off speaker and talk into the phone? I think that's why sure. we got the echo. Let's try that. How's this? We still got an echo? Yeah. That is so funny. David, do you know why we still have an echo or it's just bad luck on the phone? Bad, should we try to call one more time or it's not going to work? I'm just asking. Say so you're an engineer. You're supposed to know how to fix these things, David. One second. I blow things up. You, oh, you blow things up. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, David, are you listening to the show on the computer? Yes. Yeah, that's why we're getting feedback. So, okay. You want me to kill the mic on the computer? Yeah, kill the mic on the computer. I just did. And your audio. The audio, I, I, already, I just killed the mic. So now, now kill the speaker. Speaker, I, I'm not on speaker anymore. Oh, you know what I could do? The speaker on your computer. Okay. I'm not going to hear you, though. Oh, can't you hear me through the phone? Uh, hold on. Start talk speaking. Can you hear me through the phone? Yes. Okay, I think that's better. Even though I still have a feedback, but okay, let's try it. So let's get through your story, and let's uh, start talking. We'll figure it out. Okay. So I, um, I was hired because I speak Hebrew, and they said you can work our Israeli program. And little did I know, I, it's, it's going back to 1984, 
And eventually, I was working these Israeli programs, a lot of other programs. I was, I was actually sent to Israel three times uh, on programs which they wanted me to work on. And I was also sent to other countries, too. I didn't just work with Israel. I worked with Canada, South Africa, the Netherlands, uh, Italy, uh, England, Germany. I mean, I've worked with a number of countries, Singapore. I've, I've traveled around the world. And it turned out there were some people that were suspicious of that we have we have four different liaison officers on our base at that time: an Israeli, a Canadian, a German, and one from England. And I would interact with all of them. But apparently, there were people that were a little bit suspicious because they said, "Well, you know, he's the, he speaks to the Israeli liaison officer a lot." I also spoke to the other one a lot, depending on what program I was working on at the time. And the Israeli one and I, we obviously, you know, we spoke a lot in, in, in many respects simply because I was working programs with Israel. But people would look and say, hey, you know, a Jew speaking to another Jew on, uh, makes it suspicious. Now, I'm not making this up. This is, this is, really, this is what happened. And people were, uh, had, had issues with that. Now, what happens is if you, there, there's what's called a Sayida. Subversive act of espionage directed against the army. If you, as another guy on the base, see somebody doing something which you feel is uh, could be against uh, the uh, what the United States is doing, what the army is doing, tre- treasonous or something, then you need to report it. So it's called a sayida. You file a sayida. You have to file it pretty much almost right away if you find something suspicious. So I had a number of sayidas filed against, which I did not know about. One Sayyida said, you know, he speaks Hebrew, the Israeli liaison officer speaks Hebrew, that kind of makes us suspicious. So they file these ridiculous Sayyidas. The FBI comes in and does a preliminary investigation, and each time they came in, there's nothing, they said there's nothing here, they didn't do anything wrong. But this would continuously happen until this one person was very, didn't, apparently did not like Jews, did not like Israel, and he decided, well, you know, I'm getting these reports and I don't, I don't care for what, you know, Tenenbaum's doing. I happen to be working on a program at the time with Israelis and the Germans to look at Humvees. And we said in 1995 that these Humvees go into battle. They're, they're made for rear echelon. They were never made to go into battle. That soldiers are going to die. And um, this guy happened to have the power. He canceled the program and uh, set me up in terms of a, uh, um, how shall I put this, he, he enabled the FBI and he, he did things which were um, illegal and he started investigating me for espionage. And he had, he had no jurisdiction to even do that in the first place. Well, um, I'm just going to interrupt you. Did you have any idea that you're being investigated, any vibes, anything? Nothing. Nothing. Because they, they purposely, actually, it says in documents, they purposely try to keep me away from knowing what's going on for fear that I get an attorney and, and start uh, to fight back. But I had no idea. None whatsoever. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So what, what, what actually happened, I, and I, it's not going to be one-minute synopsis. We're gonna come I, know, I know. <laughs> I know. I was told uh, by my supervisor you need to, we're going to upgrade your security clearance, and you need to fill out the paperwork. 
And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want the upgraded security clearance. It comes with different... No, but don't, people don't necessarily like to have an upgraded security clearance. I didn't want it. So I, I neglected to fill out the paperwork. But apparently he was being pushed by our counterintelligence intelligence people, Lieutenant Colonel John Simonini at the time, to do it because that way, if I would put in for the, for the top secret clearance, they could start actually um, asking me questions, investigating me, uh, putting me through different types of uh, having investigators come in and talk to me about the security clearance, but in actuality they were talking to me about supposedly uh, that I was committing espionage. But I, I didn't know any of this. So I, I, and they, they actually told everybody who was involved, don't tell Tanaman what we're doing. Do not tell him anything. And, again, to, to your question, see, I had no idea what was going on. So I'm not going to interrupt you again. You didn't yeah. have vibes that they didn't like the Jewish guy Tenenbaum? No, no, because they didn't come out and say that we don't like Jews. They just came out and said, you need to get a top secret clearance. We, you need this. And um, I put in the paperwork. They had to put in paperwork, too, but they left things out of the paperwork that were uh, necessary that if it would have been looked at, if, if someone would have looked at it from higher levels, they would have said, hey, what is this? You can't, you can't put this guy in for a TS clearance because there's issues here. But they didn't put it in purposely. And would, at that point, they said, okay, we, you know, we, we need to sit down with you. They, they sent some people from the Defense, Defense Investigative Services, or, or um, we used to call them the Keystone Cops. They're uh, military intelligence from Salford Air Force Base. And these guys were already keyed in for um, investigating me. Once The last time I had gone to Israel was in May 1995, and I came back. And usually you get uh, debriefed when you come back from overseas. About nine months to a year later, they sat down with me from the military intelligence people, and they said, well, you need to debrief you. And they started asking me questions, and I said, you want, you're asking me questions that happened almost a year ago, nine months a year ago. I'm supposed to remember. They would ask me, like, what hotel did you stay in? So I, I couldn't remember the, my hotels even when I, when I, two days later after I go in the night, when I stay somewhere in the United States. They said, who did you speak to at the conference? What did you speak about? And when did you speak to them? I said, there's like, like two, 300 people at this conference. It happened a year ago. I spoke to people about the weather, about baseball, about soccer, about everything. I mean, I don't remember. So they took that as being suspicious. Specifically, that I didn't know the name of the hotel. And um, apparently after that, the, there, were, there were things that happened. I won't go into it right now. You can read the book. But after that, uh, Defense Investigative Services came in. They were told by to, to try to get me to agree to a polygraph, which, again, I did not know. <laughs> it's, you didn't know uh, that they wanted you to agree to a polygraph, or you didn't know that you shouldn't be taking one? Either way. Okay. Either way, I had no clue. No clue whatsoever. Um, and it, at the time, again, I'm leaving some things out because the Saidas that you have to file, like I said, one guy filed it, I think, nine years after supposedly something happened. And the FBI even asked them after, you filed nine years after, you're supposed to file it right away. You're, you could be subject to, to you know, jail, you could be subject to fines. Why did you wait nine years? He said, I didn't want to appear anti-Semitic. Ah, but nine years later, he doesn't nine appear at this medic. Yeah, <laughs> nine years seriously. So, um, so to get to this, okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
No, eventually I was uh, I I went through this uh, debriefing or 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 the um, these these two people from Defense Investigative Services. They already told by Simonini that um, you know you, you get talk to him, get him to talk, get him to admit that he did something. So it was good cop, bad cop. In the morning, guy was like, "Okay, tell me about yourself. Tell me about everything." Supposedly it was for my security clearance. In the afternoon, bad cop comes along. Apparently, they spoke. They had they had been speaking to Simonini, and Simonini said I had violated all these rules. Which, if you if you listen, if you after years later in the depositions, Simonini's right hand man said not only did he never he committed espionage, he never violated anything. So they were lying at the time. And they guy basically said to me, uh, "We think that you're giving information to Israel." And I had no clue what was going on then. Even then, I wasn't even sure what was happening because you, all you do, all you want to do at that point is say, "I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe there's some kind of mistake." And they pretty much said to me, "Either you, you know, you'll take a polygraph, or uh, you could go to jail, or um, you'll sit in the corner the rest of your life and we won't give you anything to do." And I'm like, well, I guess I don't have much of a choice, do I? Um, so, again, you can ask, why would I even agree to that? But that's a whole other story. Okay, then but I will not ask later, that question. What's that? Then I will not ask that question. <laughs> but two weeks later, I went through a, uh, a polygraph, and uh, I asked, I wanted to tape it. I brought a tape recorder. They said, no, we don't allow taping, and which now I, after, afterwards I understood why. The polygrapher was not just belligerent. When you go through a polygraph, they ask you the questions beforehand. Hey, hey, did you drink the night before? You take any drugs? Anything that could skew the polygraph, if that, if that was the answer, you're not going through a polygraph. Once someone starts yelling at you in a polygraph, it's done. It's, it's down the tubes because you're, you're skewing the whole polygraph at that point. You're, your heart's racing. You're sweating. You're, really, you're not going to be able to give answers which will... With the polygraph will show if it's right or quote right or wrong, and even polygraphs aren't even accepted. Right. David, so one second before we get to polygraphs being accepted, um, if I was going to take someone's polygraph and then go back to court and say, "Look what this person did," don't I have my own recorders, videos, something to show me giving the interview? If no, I mean, if he had no, he had no um, a recorders there. There was just myself and him, the polygrapher. And um, it, I wanted to bring in a recorder, he, but they, he said no. Now, why don't they want to have a recording? Well, there's a good reason for it. Yeah. Because after the polygraph, and you've got to remember, at the, at the polygraph he said, I've got another Jews to confess, and I'll get you to confess too. Once you start bringing in religion, once you start bringing in things like that, you're not allowed to do that. And he came out of the polygraph, he told the FBI, I confess to everything. I confess to giving information to Israel, every Israeli I ever knew over a period of 10 years, and every program I ever worked on, inadvertently. And uh, then we found out later he destroyed his notes as well. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How can you that? And even the FBI, and again, I'll just skip through all this, even the FBI, the FBI agent uh, afterwards, he, he, he even said in a deposition, he had reservations about the polygrapher. He had reservations about if the polygrapher was telling the truth or lying. And um, it, it, it became out. It, it's literally that's what started the whole thing. And then, then from, then, from there on, I was toast. Um, and we had, on Shabbos, they 
the FBI came in and took apart my house. Were but the kids the there? Lead, what's that? Were the children there? Yes, they were. The two, my, my two little ones at the time, my daughter was like four and a half, five. My son was about a year and a half old. And um, the lead agent, special agent for the FBI, came in and said, I don't know what I'm doing here. He literally said it out loud. and He admitted it in his deposition. He said, I don't know what I'm doing here. I told him how to do it. I, he said there were problems with it. He did not believe the polygrapher. My kids at the time, um, you, I can forgive almost everything, almost everything I say, but the it took time away from my kids. It took me, me away from my kids. And my daughter, for years afterwards, would scream if someone come to the door that she didn't know and said, don't open the door, you don't know who it is. And um, you, if you see that, and you actually see that with your own eyes, and you listen with your own ears, it has a tremendous effect. And I, um, uh, I, I was literally, I was told, even after they, after they were done taking everything out of my house, that uh, we were privy a little bit to what was happening within the confines of the TACOM, my base, and the FBI. And there was, they told me there, there was like a 60% chance you're going to jail. And I said, for what? I didn't do anything wrong. And um, they said that uh, there's the Army, the Seminity is trying to put you in jail. The FBI is trying to hold everything back. And if it turned out, thank God I didn't, but my career was over at that point. And when I finally ended up being ordered back to work and I was cleared of everything, they, they um, were going to take away my security clearance. But we fought that. As a matter of fact, we fought it to the point where they not only did not take it away or I got it back, they increased my security clearance uh, to a top secret, which shows you how, how, what a bad move they made. But I was told by people high level that um, you, will never, you will never get any work to do here again. You will never get promoted again. They're trying to get rid of you. They're trying to fire you. And uh, they've been pretty much on target with that. I've never been promoted since then. And I've brought programs, and I've done work, but they've kind of, like, taken it away and, and made sure I never received credit for it. And the last program, which was the program to look at the Humvees, was, was uh, stopped, killed, call it whatever you like, and thousands of casualties happened because the last one, one, they said the last program would have helped. And... Um, we, um, we, my attorney always said that the Army has blood on their hands, and they've tried to keep it a secret since then. We sued, and we were actually winning in court. We, were, we had two and a half years of discovery, pretty much, and we found out that it was all anti-Semitism, which we knew about. And uh, at one deposition of Simonini, where he pretty much said, uh, oh, yeah, that's what Jews do. That's part of their culture. You know, that's... that's you know, they can't, they, that's what they're going to be doing. They pulled them out of the room, and pretty much after that, they invoked the state secrets privilege. And a high-level Department of Defense individual said it's not state secrets, it's state embarrassment. And they've never been held accountable for what they've done, and I've never been promoted. And um, I've uh, always said that we have, somebody has to do something, because we, we actually eventually ended up going to Senator Levin from Michigan, Carl Levin, and we asked him to open up his own investigation. He ordered the Department of Defense Inspector General's office to do their own investigation. 
they did an investigation. He said it would take six months, almost two years. We found out there were people in the Inspector General's office that were trying to stop a report that was a positive report in our favor from going out. And um, luckily, there were people there that were on our side. The report did go out and said it was all anti-Semitism. And that was in July 2008. And usually you see at that point there's a remedy that's given and people say, we messed up, you know, let's fix this. Instead, they, they, they doubled down and tried to get rid of me even more since then. It's unbelievable. David, we have just scratched the surface. That was the one-minute synopsis of the story. And, um, but um, we actually have two segments. And I'm ending, believe it or not, my first segment. That's how long your one minute went. And okay. if you could hold for five minutes, either we'll see if we can get the audio up working better or we'll keep it the way it is. So we're going to be back in about five minutes. We're going to find now to get into the details of the story with David Tedebaum, author of Accused of Treason. Um, but my music is playing. It's the end of our first segment. We got to thank everybody, of course, Angel and David in the back. I hope so far we've left you some food for thought. Stay through the break and we're going to be right back. Every room inside 